Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today, we are resuming our study of the prophet Isaiah. We're going to be reading chapter 18 and 19 today. Chapter 18 is only seven verses, and it deals with a woe to the land of Ethiopia, or a land beyond the river of Ethiopia, likely dealing with a past event. Chapter 19, however, deals with Egypt, and there's some interesting things about Egypt in chapter 19, and uh, what we're going to see here is it's very likely uh, dealing with a future of Egypt. Egypt is interesting to me because the more you study the prophets, the more you have to come to the conclusion that at some point in the future or during the kingdom age, Egypt is going to have a much larger role in the world than it does right now. So we know that in times past, Egypt was one of the greatest kingdoms of the earth. Now it's hardly spoken of, right? People think of Egypt, they think, ah, oh, it's a place that you, I guess you could travel to go look at some pyramids and some old statues, right? Like, it doesn't have the same uh, magnificence that it would have had at that time. But when we read about the future of Egypt, that is not the case. It's spoken about, um, God almost treats it like it's one of his own. And the way he speaks about Egypt in the future. Chapter 19 is going to kind of lend to that idea. I think you're going to find it fascinating. Uh, but before we do, uh, if you remember a couple months ago or so when, when we did uh, our study for the Feast of Tabernacles... We read from Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah. I want to do that again real quick just to refresh our memory about this uh, because it lends to the point I'm trying to make that Egypt is going to be more significant either in the coming future or in the reign of Messiah. So let's have a look at that real quick. Then we're going to get to our study in the book of Isaiah. So we're starting with Zechariah. We're just going to go to chapter 14. And we're going to start with verse 10, and we're just going to read 10 verses here, or 11 verses here. Here's what it says. All of the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Reman south of Jerusalem. It shall be lifted up and inhabited in her place, from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Haniel unto the king's winepress. And men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, destruction, but Jerusalem shall safely be inhabited. So before, just something, that, just a side note to make, in towards the end, Jerusalem's going to have problems. Israel's going to have problems, right? Um, makes you wonder. About our current circumstances. Um, 
But this is talking about after the fact, there'll be no more utter destruction. Jerusalem will be safe. Verse 12. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet. Their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongues shall consume away in their mouth. And it shall come to pass in that day that a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them. And they shall lay hold one of another on the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. And Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem, and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together gold and silver and apparel in a great abundance. And so shall be the plague of the horse, of the mule, of the camel, of the ass, and of all beast that shall be in these tents as this plague. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So there's going to be a big coming against Jerusalem by many, by many nations. They're going to be destroyed. And it says that what's left of them they'll come up and worship the king. Who's the king? Messiah, right? Yeshua. The nations will be going up to worship the king on the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be, verse 17, whoso will not come up from the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Right? So, if you don't send... The representatives of the family, whoever all is going to have to go up to worship during this time, the punishment will be no rain. The reason why we're reading this is because of verse 18. And if the family of Egypt, so he just specifically, he says, he says of all nations, but then he's going to specifically speak to Egypt. And if the family of Egypt will not go up, verse 18, and not come up, that have no rain, there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. You see, there's something future and specific about Egypt. I think when you read, when we get, when we read chapter 19 here in a minute of Isaiah, you're going to see it. You're going to see what I'm talking about. All right, let's just stop there because our study is not in the book of Zechariah today. I just wanted to point that, uh, point that out because I think that the end of chapter 19, like the last 10 verses, is dealing with the same time period. All right, enough introduction. Let's begin. First 10 verses or first seven verses here are actually going to be about a woe to the land sh uh, beyond the... Um, Ethiopia, or the Ethiopian River, and then we'll get to Egypt. Woe, verse 1, chapter 18. Woe to the land shadowing with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, that sendeth ambassadors by the sea, even in vessels of bulrushes upon the water, saying, Go, ye swift messengers, to a nation scattered and peeled 
to a people terrible from their beginning. Hitherto a nation meted out of trodden down whose land the rivers have spoiled. All you inhabitants of the world and dwellers on earth, see ye when he lifteth up an ensign on the mountains, and when he bloweth the trumpet, hear ye. Please note, a lot of commentaries point to most of Book of Isaiah, and they they write it off as past history or symbolism or something like that. That's because of the prophetic mindset of that time period. And I'm talking like during the time of the Reformation, um, really before Christianity moved here to America or spread here to America, long before the state of Israel became a nation again and the Hebrew language was revived, they saw things in a different manner. They just assumed that Israel was gone forever and that the church had replaced Israel as far as the, the prophetic promises and all of this. But you have to understand that at that time there was no Israel anymore and the Jews were scattered everywhere. And yeah, so that was, that was the mindset. When I read the scriptures... Whenever I see phrases that draws attention to the whole world, right? It's one thing when you're speaking just to a nation. But when it says such and such nation, and it says the whole world needs to take note, to me, that's speaking to future because it's dealing with a worldwide phenomenon. Could I be wrong Could I be reading too much into it? Of course. I'm just telling you where I tend to come from and my little antennas go up when I hear phrases like the world. And and a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're living in a time now when the whole world is connected. And anything happening in the world, the world knows it. Whereas before, I mean, if you were to go back a thousand years, a a nation could be blown off the map from whatever natural disaster. It may be months before other parts of the world know about it, right? Not so today. Okay, I'm rambling. Let's get to the scriptures. I'm sorry. Verse 3. All ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, see ye when he lifteth up an ensign on the mountains and when he bloweth a trumpet Hear ye. For so the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest, and I will consider in my dwelling place like a clear heat upon herbs, and like a cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. For afore the harvest, when the bud is perfect, and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he shall both cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks, and take away and cut down the branches. They shall be left together unto the fowls of the mountains, and to the beasts of the earth, and to the fowls shall summer upon them, and all the beasts of the earth shall winter upon them. In that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts, of the people scattered and peeled, and from a people terrible from the beginning, hitherto a nation meted out and trodden underfoot, whose land the rivers have spoiled, 
to the place of the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount Zion. Chapter 19 The Burden of Egypt Behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud, and shall come unto Egypt, and the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence. And the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. And I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they shall fight every one against his brother, and every one against his neighbors, city against city, and kingdom against kingdom. And the spirit of Egypt shall fail in the midst thereof, and I will destroy the counsel thereof, and they shall seek the idols and the charmers, and to them that have familiar spirits, and to the wizards. And the Egyptians will I give over into the hand of a cruel lord, and a fierce king shall rule over them, saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts. So please note, this is not the section that I'm referring to that I'm saying is future, but it could be. But that it's, it's very possible that it's dealing with past. What's jumping out to me about this part is there's a spirit that rules over Egypt. And the people at this time will seek those who use sorcery, the charmers, those who have familiar spirits. In other words, people who are able to perform miracles or magic based on the power of demonic indwelling that is in them. This is real stuff, people. The Bible warns about it over and over and over, and it was huge in Egypt. Huge. Most of the modern symbolism that you see Satan worshippers and the Illuminati and all these people using come from Egypt. Right? Familiar spirits and wizards. Interesting stuff. Verse 5. And the water shall fail from the sea, and the river shall be wasted and dried up, and they shall turn the rivers far away, and the brooks of defense shall be emptied and dried up, the needs and flags shall wither, the paper reeds by the brooks, by the mouth of the brooks, and everything sown by the brooks shall wither, be driven away, and be no more. The fishers also shall mourn, and all they that cast angle into the brooks shall lament, and they shall spread nets upon the waters. And shall languish. Moreover, they that work and find flax, and they that weave networks shall be confounded, and they shall be broken in the purpose thereof, all that make sluices of the pond for fish. Surely the princes of Zoan are fools, and the counsel of the wise counselors of Pharaoh is become brutish. How say you unto Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise, the son of the ancient kings? Where are they? Where are thy wise men? And let them tell thee now, and let them know what the Lord of hosts hath purposed upon Egypt. And the princes of Zoan are become fools, and the princes of Naph are deceived. And they have also seduced Egypt, even they that stay of the tribes thereof. 
The Lord hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof, and they have caused Egypt to err at every work thereof, as drunken men staggereth in his vomit. So please note, sometimes as punishment, God will give a nation or a people over to a perverse spirit or a reprobate mind. That's what's happened in America, my friends. Make no mistake about it. Because we did not want to retain the knowledge of the Lord in our hearts, in our minds, in our institutions, in our schools, in our government, we no longer wanted that, so God said, fine, have it your way. And he's given this people over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are unnatural. Nothing new under the sun. Same thing happening here in Egypt. Verse 15. Neither shall be any work for Egypt, which the head or the tail, branch or rush, may do. And that day shall Egypt be like unto women. You shall be afraid and fear because of the shaking of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which shaketh over it. And the land of Judah shall be a terror unto Egypt. Every one that maketh mention thereof shall be afraid of himself because of the counsel of the Lord of hosts, which hath determined against it. Now please note, from verse 18 on, which we're getting ready to read, in my mind it has to be future. And you'll see why. Verse 18, In that day shall five cities in the land of Egypt speak the language of Canaan, and swear to the Lord of hosts, one shall be called the city of destruction. In that day shall there be an altar to the Lord, and in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar at the border thereof to the Lord. Has Egypt become a nation that worships the one true God? Not yet, but according to this, they will. Not only that, they will speak the ancient language of Canaan, that's interesting. Let me tell you what Matthew Henry says about that. And this is somebody who wouldn't have had a futuristic view of prophecy necessarily. But here's what he says. At that time, which was to come, the Egyptians shall speak the holy language, the scripture language. Not only understand it, but use it. So even Matthew Henry saw this as this has to be a future event where the Egyptian people are going to speak the language of the scriptures. He says, where the sun was worshipped, a place infamous for idolatry, even there shall be a wonderful reformation. Christ, the great altar, who sanctifies every gift, shall be owned, and the gospel sacrifices of prayer and praises shall be offered up. He's making the point that what we're seeing here in these verses is a change from the greatest paganism ever. Worship of familiar spirits and all this is going to change to a people who worship the one true God. Even using the language of the scriptures, of the holy language. Verse 20. 
And it shall be for a sign and for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt, for they shall cry unto the Lord because of the oppressors, and he shall send them a Savior and a great one, and he shall deliver them. Wow. I think it's going to be the Savior Messiah. The whole world is going to be put in a really terrible position before the return of Christ. That's what I see when I look at the scriptures. A desperation. This is what's going to force the Jewish people to cry out, Baruch Shem Yehovah, Yeshua HaMashiach. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They are going to be put in a position where they're going to have to cry out for Messiah. And the whole world is going to be burdened and oppressed with evil. And you're going to have nations even like Egypt who come to the end of themselves and say, we've got to turn to the one true God. And, and as a result, he will rescue. That's what it says. He will send them a savior, a great one. And he shall deliver them. Verse 21. And the Lord shall be known to Egypt. And the Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day. And shall do sacrifice and oblation. Yea, they shall vow a vow unto the Lord and perform it. And the Lord shall smite Egypt. He shall smite and heal it. And they shall return even to the Lord, and he shall entreat of them, and shall heal them. In that day shall there be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria. Notice, not Syria, Assyria. I think we're talking about like the land of modern-day Iraq here. Out of Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrians shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptians into Assyria. And the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. So it's not just Egypt. Egypt and what we we call modern day Iraq. There's gonna, they're going to worship the one true God. There's going to be a highway where they're intermingling, going back and forth between each other. Last two verses, verse twenty four. And in that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land. Whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. I'm sorry, I have to believe that that's future. And how beautiful. I long for the day that Messiah would return and the world would move away from this incredible evil that we're living right now as the human race. So much darkness and evil. We've been brought up in this, and so as a result, we've grown numb to it. We, I don't think we recognize how dark it is, how evil the people that rule this world are. We don't fully grasp the death, the trafficking of human beings, of children. We don't fully grasp the manipulation and the propaganda machine and just the grip that Satan and his 
minions have on the average person. It's bad. But just like you would put a black sheet down on a table and you would spread out diamonds or jewels, right, to show them to somebody, that's how the Christian, the believer and Messiah should be right now. We should be popping off that black carpet. Shouldn't be it should be impossible to be hidden, you should because you're so different than the rest of this world. Don't be blending in with this world. You should be different. And there's coming a day, and hopefully we see it with our own eyes. And hear the trumpet with our own ears. And see these things develop. I mean, we have to grip on, we have to grasp onto that because there's no hope outside of that. We are in a position and in a place in the world where there is no hope apart from Jesus Christ, from Yeshua HaMashiach. There is no hope aside from it. There's nothing, there's no man, no politician, there's nothing no one can do to rescue this world from the depravity and darkness that it has fallen into. The only thing that we have to look forward to is more economic problems, more death, more starvation, more hunger, more problems, more war, more lies, more propaganda. So I say, Maranatha, I say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, come quickly, because what else is there? Can I read you just a little bit of commentary to wrap it up? I have this uh, strange Bible that I came across. I guess I shouldn't say strange, I just didn't. And it breaks down every verse. It's a King James Bible. It breaks down every verse uh, with a little bit of commentary and it definitely takes that futuristic viewpoint here's what it says about like the three nations that are listed so in verse 24 it says in that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with the Assyrians just a little paragraph here it says these three nations speak of Noah's three sons which refer to the entire world and will become servants to Jehovah the human race consists of these three great families, Assyria, Israel, and Egypt, i.e. Japheth, Shem, and Ham. These three countries, Israel, Egypt, and Assyria, and then it puts in parentheses modern-day Iraq, instead of being a curse, will now be a blessing. This tells us the Arabs will ultimately come to Christ, thereby disavowing the religion of Islam Actually, it will be no more, as well as the other religions of the world. In that great day, glad day, there will be one Savior, who is the world's Redeemer, who is the Lord. And then, going up to verse 23, it says, In that day there shall be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria, to the Assyrians shall come to Egypt, and the Egyptians to the Assyrians, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. Here's the commentary on that. In that day refers to the millennium. Consequently, 
the animosity and the hatred and the anger which have characterized these this area of the world since the dawn of time have now finally been wrested away from Satan. And the land will then be ruled by the Lord of glory. The hatred is now gone. It's called the it's called the Expositor Study Bible, King James. Interesting. <clears throat> so that is our study for this morning. I pray it's been a blessing to you. I hope I didn't ramble on too much. I want to thank those of you who pray for the podcast. And just a reminder, it's 100% listener supported. Uh, those of you who are Patreon subscribers, you're the ones that keep the lights on for this thing and have for the last 10 years. Um, so if you're able and willing, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber by going to patreon.com slash truthfed or the links are at the website and the support tab or the links are inside the YouTube description. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your prayers. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.